the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Welcome back to Working Fans Podcast, episode 139. As always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault, volume 1, 35 short stories across the wrestling landscape. We have champions, legends, Hall of Famers in here. Each book comes signed by one of 11 wrestlers featured in the book, available at LanceByChance.com. That name is familiar because Vinny Berry also wrote Lance By Chance Wrestling is a Von Eric, the story of how Kevin Vaughn became Lance Von Eric and then Lance Vaughn, the crazy life he read out, let outside wrestling and more. Brought to you also by Kevin Kelton, author of Super Vows, and he has a new book available for pre-order on Amazon right now. Former music cast guest, AO Money Meach, Camouflage, when the deadbolt breaks buzzard canyon connecticut people records but now that all the reads are out of the way let's bring in aj strange brew and today's a special episode because i'm sitting in for the man they call dave yeah we had a loss in our family oh mama called lucy dave's mom passed away he's going to talk about it i just personally wanted to say not from aj strange brew but from adam thank you for making me a part of your family for 30 years. We love you, Lucy. We had some breaking news. Just today, there was Triple H announced his retirement, I think, within an hour ago on the Stephen A. Smith show. And not surprising, given the fact he's been out of wrestling for a little bit here. And, you know, NXT has kind of changed while he was away. It almost makes you wonder, did they know a while ago that he wasn't coming back? Is he not coming back because of the changes? A lot of questions. 
questions in the air. I haven't watched the interview. I read up on it, Joe. And from what I read from the interview, because I didn't see it either, but I read the inserts from it. Apparently, it was a lot more serious than they thought the heart injury was. Apparently, it was a fraction of 30 and then went all the way down to 20% of his heart working, and it, it did almost kill him. So being a father of those young daughters and being a father myself and being terrified of what it would do to my daughter, I don't blame him at all. Thank you for everything, Triple H. God bless you. Thank you for what you tried to create in NXT before they tore it apart. And hey, happy trails, my friend. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of tributes coming out. I know I just talked with Josh DeBoard of regularly scheduled hostilities, and that's how I actually found out about all this and it sounds like he wants to do a tribute now before we get into dynamite and our top five of the week it's going to be a different feel because i bring a little different coverage than you and dave have i recently signed up for the wrestlenomics podcast so we're not gonna jump into the numbers too deeply but i think i might start making a segment on the show where i try and understand the numbers and bring them to you the other big news is cody rhodes it sounds the news that i'm reading it sounds like it's more likely than not that he has signed i haven't seen anything official he hasn't debuted yet we've got what one raw and two smackdowns until wrestlemania from what i heard he may debut at wrestlemania where do you think he'll debut and is wrestlemania the best time i think they're setting up for it i think what they've been doing with seth rollins over the last few weeks not giving him an actual opponent not giving him a clear-cut path to wrestlemania i think tonight they're gonna say hey well we're gonna give you somebody at wrestlemania we're not gonna tell you who it is you'll have a match just be there be ready to go and I think it's going to be Cody Rhodes. Even with the WWE not delivering on surprises like that more often than not, the last notable one I can think of is the Hardys return. Other than that, that you get these big surprise matches that turn out to be like, look at what happened to MSG when the big surprise was Roman Reigns beatdown. Will this be a WWE manufactured surprise? So or I think I'm with you. Yeah, you know, nobody on this podcast is huge when it comes to expecting a lot from the WWE. I just think that this one is too much of a softball. It's one that even they can't miss. It's such an easy one to pull the trigger on. And I know Mike Johnson from PW Insider was the first one to really go, hey, they signed him a couple weeks ago. But... Uh, it's just there's too much out there now the only way i could see it going wrong is if vince goes you know what everybody thinks they know what i'm gonna do screw them i'm gonna do something different that's the only way i could see this going wrong yeah now let's jump into dynamite because i know you guys don't usually go too long and i've got enough info to almost double it let's jump sure. right into it total viewers i found it was watched by 1,046,000 people on average that's up five percent in total viewership now when i was looking at the charts real quick viewership drops a couple hundred in the first half hour from where it starts it maintains again until like 9 15 9 30 where it dips again now as we go through the matches i'll kind of give you like where they fall relatively in the quarter hours and i was surprised that they started with cm punk versus dax harwood but i'm not surprised by that there if you look at their trends through the time even when they go down viewers for the total show it's always that first hour that real that first half hour that is one of the hottest times because aew is known for delivering a great match or a great segment in that first segment and th this was announced late in the afternoon so i was i think i was more 
more surprised by the match. And then yeah. we got Randy Osgin here. I didn't check the comments. And he's got another comment that we'll get to because unlike a couple weeks ago where they it feels like they overstuffed the show. This one feels like it was cooked just right. Now, this first you, match, you had you Gun can, Club. Sorry, I just wanted to say, Joe, you can overstuff a match. Like what you like what you said before with a with a program, you can overstuff a program. You can put too much in there and you don't allow the audience to come up and down so they never have a chance to really exhale and really breathe in the matches. And oh, yeah. This, and that Dynamite two weeks ago was definitely that where the Hardys debuted and Tully got fired in a forgettable sandwich segment. Yeah, and that was the sad part is and it actually almost it took me a week to hear the guys go, "Oh yeah, and we got rid of Tully Blanchard." I was like, "Oh my god, that's right. They did fire Tully last week." That's how yeah. much they overstuffed it. And last week felt like a good return and this was even better. Now, during this match, we had Gun Club jawjacking from the audience. I had it noted as possible future feud, which it turns out I believe it's going to be a match next week. Anytime FT leaves their feet which is a feature i like about the tag team is it never works out well for them no it doesn't that's how they lost the tag titles in the first part the box was losing their feet hey guys keep on the mat do what you do best don't try and do the stuff that you don't do well and you're going to be much better off i have a complaint about the first segment do we know where cm punk is going from here after well after the match he was signaling for the bell so i don't know because it feels much more likely right now given what they've presented to us that adam cole is lining up for a rematch that feels more likely at double or nothing than cm punk maybe so, so cm punk inserts himself in that feud maybe he's the next challenger after that we got to see how it plays out and that was kind of my point it's kind of they almost used that first segment as hot as it was and as great of a match it was it was almost a throwaway because other than the gun club building up up a maybe a match within a feud with FTR, you didn't really tell us overly or give us a straight path for CM Punk or really give us any mic time with him to actually get over where he was going next. Ooh, so it's kind of a throwaway. Up, Randy brings up a good possibility here. Page versus Cole at Battle of the Belts, because I believe that is before Double or Nothing, if I'm correct. It is. Well, you yeah. could build the feud there and try and pay it off. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying that you can't build punk from here. Obviously, you can build punk any direction you want. I just like a segment or a match to actually build or lean towards something. And I don't like it when you have a megastar like punk where I'm left going, wow, I have no idea where he's going next. <laughs> yeah. Now, 8 to 8.15 was the... The first match covered more than that because 8.15 to 8.30 featured the Jericho Appreciation Society backstage after this, setting up the match between Silver and Jericho. It really set up the whole kind of push for their backstage promo, basically yeah. saying they're going to get the better of them. And I know the sports entertainer thing is to make us get heat with them. But when I hear Daniel Garcia say it, I get genuinely mad like you're wasting good talent with that. But I think that's the point. So I don't I don't really know what to make of that. So here's the funny thing. I'm with you. Daniel Garcia is what I love in a wrestler. You talk about somebody who belongs, and we'll talk about him later in the card, with Moxley and Brian Danielson and with Steven Regal. You talk about somebody who belongs with them. Daniel Garcia is the cookie cutter of what belongs with those guys. So 
it is genuinely getting heat with those of us that enjoy the strong style, enjoy more of the authentic style to see him calling himself a sports entertainment tongue in cheek. Randy here laying out the possible, then probably Page versus Punk, maybe Punk versus MJF. That's true too, because MJF is getting in that title contention. And this is where things start to get interesting because now that AEW has been around for a couple of years, we've heard recently about talents like Big Swole a while ago, Joey Janela more recently that plan on not re-signing. Yeah. And while that is a loss, it's also kind of good because they're getting to do things more where they're stronger. And AEW has enough talent right now that they have a good regular lineup of people in the show. Like, look at the next match. Sting, Darby, Allen, and the Hardys versus Butcher the Blade and Private Party. This was a nine-minute and 27-second match as opposed to the first match, which was just under 13. And there were major spot after major spot. I was surprised when I saw this was under 10 minutes. And you said viewership started to go down after the first half hour? First half hour is where it dipped. And I mean, we're only talking a dip of like 200. No, no, no. And I get that. But think about the cluster that this match was. Other than the high spot with Jeff Hardy off the ladder, which let's face it, we all know that's coming. What was there in that match to really keep people's attention? Private party dumped Matt Hardy off stage, which thank God they landed on their target because when I see Jeff do the high flying moves, I'm not surprised anymore, but I get worried when it happens with Matt. There was the botched gin and juice with Sting that I believe was supposed to set up into the finish. It, It didn't look good the way they struggled for so long with it. It must have felt like even longer to them. Yeah, I don't know if, unfortunately, I love Private Party. I think Private Party is a good young talent. I just don't think their style goes with the 63, almost 64-year-old wrestler for what it takes to actually go with and set up those moves. Don't get me wrong. Sting's been killing it. He's bumping his ass off. He's killing it. I'm not saying he's not, but to expect him to keep up with two guys that are that athletic, I think we're a little out of our mind on that one. Yeah, it's almost like he forces himself to bring himself up to that level, and he doesn't need to, and at what point is it going to backfire on him? They would be much better off if Private Party wrestled at where he's at than to try to make him come to where Private Party's at, because he's not that guy. He can't do it anymore. Now, this was followed this is getting into the 8 30 to 8 45 but ftr backstage with shivani and i don't know if it's just me but it seems like since they lost tully they've picked up the intensity it might just be the fact that they're finally getting tv time again to speak you know furthering the feud with the gun club and setting up gun club versus ftr next wednesday on dynamite but here's an interesting thing for you i thought that that interview was much more face-like i thought that they were nowhere near the heels that obviously they're going after the gun club which is not baby which are not heels and i thought that it was planting seeds to get them cheered for again so and that'll be interesting going forward with what's to come in the rest of the show i was just about to say that because the next match we had up brian danielson and john moxley versus the varsity blondes and i for a minute was hoping that maybe they would bring in brian pillman but i love how regal goes right to commentary when these 
guys are in the ring. He stressed that he's not a manager. He helps. And this match was intense. Julia Hart sitting super sad outside the ring, kind of leaving us wondering what's going on with her. And the Varsity Blondes, during commentary, it was almost kind of talked about that they might be potential future prospects. Yeah, absolutely. I did like one line. I think it was Tony Schiavone said to Regal, yeah, both these guys from Cincinnati when Moxley and was Jim Ross. Up. Oh, sorry. And Jim Ross, Jim Ross says that uh, Regal and Regal goes, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah, Great, they're, was- they're both from the same town. <laughs> We hear that often from JR about other people when other things are said. So to see it put back on him was interesting. This match, I was very surprised that it only went six minutes and four seconds. It felt perfect to me. But once again, the post-match promo that happened in the 8.45 to 9 o'clock hour, setting up the Regal as the mastermind, not quite the manager, but the, I don't know what yet. It's establishing the faction as powerful, the way they talk you know sadistic and did they get officially named the blackpool combat club i believe that is what we witnessed was the blackpool combat club the bcc of the names that they have created on AEW for factions it's always weird when you hear a new one i don't hate this initially you know it's weird but it's also a new name so i'll get used to it in time but it just doesn't roll off the tongue blackpool combat club i like combat club i'm just not sure blackpool runs off Yeah, and then that almost centers it to England, and is that because that's where the knowledge that William Regal got? I'll have to see how it plays out before I judge it further, but it's just, it's kind of weird right now. I'm just not sure the modern fans have the attention span to be able to actually even put the thought into it. Where does it come from? And that's why hopefully further promos will explain that. Now, this was followed by MJF in-ring promo. This went right up in until about nine security ringside before the promo starts there will be another match so he's furthering the punk feud won't be over until after the funeral and mjf pisses on punk's grave and that's not the farthest that mjf went in this promo no mjf is on fire his promos are great everything he's doing he is so dastardly it's just absolutely great and the way the direction he goes towards wardlow and the way he talks about wardlow's mom and talks about his family and not having a roof over their head without him just absolutely phenomenal it's weird because when it comes to wardlow he's mostly a cartoonish heel talking about almost like i'm gonna take away your home but in what i think is one of the most masterful bits of possible racist baiting by MJF in Texas. He threatens to put Wardlow on the cross like Jesus. Now, given the opinion that some people might hold down there, I think that's a very brave thing to put out in a promo. You have a Jewish kid from Long Island coming to the heart of Texas and telling them, I'm going to put Wardlow up on a cross like Jesus. Yeah, that's pretty good. And almost (laughs) beating them to their own racism and it's like when you see how they respond that's kind of wild but once again knocked it out of the park with a promo and going into the 9 to 9 15 hour wheel a uter 
Wheeler Yuta backstage with best friends. See, Dave's not here, so I got to mispronounce a bunch of shit today to make up for it and uh, just cheer him up a little bit. It comes out Trent never liked Yuta. He's done with Yuta. That seems very surprising and out of nowhere, but you got to break up the group somehow. But, and- but wait a minute. Yuta actually had a good line after that. He said, wait a minute. Uh, first of all, I never liked you either, Trent, but these guys are still my best friends. I'm just not here to learn to be a best friend i'm here to learn to be the best wrestler that i can be yeah so so, so it's a very off. good line yeah that's a that's a mic drop right there definitely and this led into adam cole versus jay lethal you know this went up to 9 15 here you know getting into that 9 30 hour please, and please tell me they had some fans tune in for this because this was a hell of a match this is i think about where one of the spikes were because if you look at the graph it dropped in that first half hour and then it maintained there were kind of like minor gains minor losses but it maintained around the same level and this match 10 minutes and four seconds they had five career matches against each other with cole with the three to two lead almost all in roh i think all in roh and excalibur you know lining up the statistics really setting the stage it's very nice to hear well he also reminded us the way that adam cole actually became part of the actual bullet club the elite whatever you want to call it at the time was was by turning on Jay Lethal in a match. And then Excalibur compared their ROH title reigns. Like, if you were an ROH fan, this was, you were astonished that they put this in the middle of the show. Cause I believe Jim Ross said it could be a main event anywhere and it could have, but it set yep. up for the post match with Cole makes case for why he should be champion, which brings out Paige. Paige gets jumped. They steal the belt. Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian cage run out for the save and really setting up for that rematch that does anybody want like will adam cole be a transitional champion he definitely could be the transitional champion i think he uh, in my opinion i think he is going to take it the belt the next time and that he's going to go against punk for the actual title coming up at double or nothing so i agree with you on that one this was followed by a lance archer dustin rhodes video promo where dan lambert good mouthpiece for live of people you know saying this is a chance to end the Rhodes family Dustin responds you know sticking up for his family Dustin lost the last time they faced off and he ends on monsters die too this was a good promo I don't know how excited it makes me for the match but I'm not excited for it because I think Dustin has no leverage whatsoever anymore and I don't think this is going to go very well for him no now battle of the belts 2 is going to be taped on Friday April 15th so that's coming up week after mania so that's like two weeks away so very interesting where this could be leading after that was ty conti and sammy guevara in ring with shivani this was the 930 to this started off the 930 to 945 block and they were trying to get them over as baby faces i could have cared less this confrontation gave me more uncomfortable moments than nailing wardlow to a cross comment did first of all i don't ever want to envision the TNT title and Sammy Guevara and Ty Conte doing whatever the hell they were doing with that belt. And secondly, they just were not over with the crowd. Ty Conte was over with the crowd until they started talking and then it just went downhill from there. It was a weird mix. Like you could tell they were aiming for a baby face, but I know for me, and it sounds like with you too, it had the opposite effect. And 
Ty Kate is not great on the mic yet. She's not good on the stick. She is getting better as an in-ring performer. Sammy Guevara is a great in-ring performer, but he's always been average on the mic. He's better in a fiery promo than he is in whatever the hell that was. Yeah, and I mean, he always talks about how he's going to do something crazy in the ring. It feels like they're setting up for a mixed tag. I'm feeling at double or nothing. And this just showed you that American Top Team and Dan Lambert are playing really good heels, especially... I love Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert, yeah. I, I know he's a heel, but every time he's on the stick, I find myself highly entertained. I love Ethan Page, love Scorpio Sky. So, yeah, I, I don't know what they were going for in this situation. This was followed by Swerves and Ricky Stark's video promo. That's going to be a hell of a match. Yeah, it's setting up for the FTW title on Friday. I wasn't aware there was a Keith Lee Swerve Alliance, but I haven't been keeping up with all the Rampages and Darks and things like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it happened on Rampage. Swerve has been helping Keith Lee to uh, get out of jams. And I think Swerve is actually going to get the title this week. Now, we'll get up to that in a little bit because before they ended the show, they previewed both Rampage and Dynamite. But next up was Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet. Six minutes and 30 seconds. Another good match in the series. I have liked Red Velvet a lot more since she's kind of moved away from Brandy. I don't know if that's because you just get to see her personality on her own, but the turnbuckle seems to be Layla Hirsch's preferred weapon, which is odd because she doesn't need a weapon. No, she is a weapon. But it's been furthering the feud, and I enjoyed the match for where it was. Yeah, and Chris Datlander coming out is definitely a good thing. Sans, whatever the hell those torn up jeans are. At that point, maybe just wear shorts if you have that many holes in your jeans. I'm not here for fashion. I am looking forward to Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander just because they're both so strong and so tough and it's going to be a hell of a match. And I thought this match was good too. This was followed up. You had the post-match run-in with Statlander coming out. Jade Cargill, Smart Mark Sterling, and Shivani backstage. Cargill is planning. She's planning the celebration after the next match as opposed to the next match. So starting to get a little careless in the way she's attacking things. And I'm getting tongue-tied because Daniel Backley is saying Statlander moving away from the alien gimmick. Thank God. Not a bad idea. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not going to get her to the next level at the moment. It doesn't seem. The alien gimmick is a great independent gimmick. If you're on the independence and you're working that gimmick and you're playing for the kids in the crowd, it's a great gimmick. It's not going to get you far when it comes to working on a big show. Back to what you were saying with Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill is okay on the mic. However, Mark Sterling is fantastic on a microphone and is a very entertaining person and they need to let him actually do more of the talking. I know part of the major wrestling figure podcast and it's good to see him getting some time but I almost feel like he should be on more. Now they previewed Rampage which is Dustin Rhodes versus Lance Archer. Not terrible. You got Alan Five Angels and Ten versus Red Dragon. That's going to be a very interesting match. We have Nyla Rose in action which is big coming off of her upcoming segment yeah and she has uh, also been added for that may 21st show at pistol Pete's in norwich connecticut oh goodness wow that's gonna be a hot show folks if you're anywhere near the norwich area on may 21st you're gonna want to check that out it's put together by standalone wrestling it is one hell of a card i believe from what i understand they have marco's stunt on the card you have nyla rose now you've got who's the luchador from wwe that they signed there Kalisto for the meet and greet. Kalisto. god let me tell you something 
This is a guy who can wrestle his backside off. He was fantastic in the WWE. And if you don't think kids are going to want to see this masked wrestler, get your tickets early, get the VIP package, get your photo, your autographs, line it up, and let's knock this out of the park at Pistol Pete's in Norwich. I believe there was a $50 VIP, $30 front row, $20 general admission. Check them out at foundationofwrestling.eventbrite.com or check out our recent interview with Chad Minnis and you can hear straight from his own mouth all the info. If you're not familiar with Chad Minnis, you're going to want to check out this interview. This is an independent promoter out of New Jersey who says what he feels and doesn't hide any BS. Helps other promotions, you know, involved with GCW, has helped out with MLW. Getting back to Rampage, Hook is receiving a certificate of accomplishment from QT Marshall. That'll be interesting. And Ricky Starks versus Swerve Strickland for the FTW title. It's kind of tough. I mean, I can't see Swerve not winning unless they somehow screw him out of the title. I mean, they definitely could. I have a feeling that Swerve is going to win this. I think they want to make do something with Swerve. Talk about a guy who's good on the mic and a young wrestler who knows how to really work. Swerve Strickland is that guy. And Dynamite, they lined up. Darby versus Andrade, a match we've been working our way towards, and FTR versus Gun Club so far. Yeah, so definitely a fun setup for Friday and then a fun setup so far for next Wednesday. Now, closing up the 9.30 to 9.45 segment, Thunder Rosa supposed to come on stage for an interview with Shivani, and first Vicky Guerrero interrupts and kind of throws things off. Then Nyla Rose jumps Thunder Rosa, and Nyla Rose won her championship in that very building so it's interesting how the story's coming full circle i don't see nyla rose being a contender for the title necessarily but it's interesting they did that story kind of come around on it to see where that went yes i am a huge thunder rosa fan i think that she is one of the best females in the business anywhere in the world at any given time her my one of my highlights from last week was actually her winning the belt this, however, was not one of my highlights because I cannot stand Vicky Guerrero. And I know that that's the point. However, it almost so- feels like it's crossing over into go away heat. Like you can say, excuse me a couple times when you come out, but I don't think you need to keep doing it as you talk. Yeah. She literally continues to scream it no matter what, to a point where there's no actual promo. It's just her yelling, excuse me. It's just horrible. It definitely is. Now, and where moving- was she? Wait a minute, where was she going? You spoke about the little bit of racism that was hinted at or whatever earlier in the show. Where the hell was Vicky Guerrero going with the Oh, oh yeah, talking <laughs> about her green card and it that was so odd. Like, I don't even think I let that register. I was just yeah, like literally, literally, you're a Hispanic family. The Guerreros are known for their Texas wrestling and their Mexican heritage, and you're attacking Thunder Rosa, who's from Mexico, moved to San Antonio, Texas, has her green card, works her ass off i I, wow yeah that seemed odd especially when you have a transgender native american that you're coaching managing like it almost seems like if you open up an attack on your opponent you open yourself up for almost a response and you're very weird i was gonna say what was thunder rosa's i'm not even gonna say what her response could be but what was thunder rosa's response to that i mean that's insane I think she just stuck up for getting her green card. And yeah, it, it seemed like an odd segment. Yeah, it but, just, it, it was uncomfortable, odd. And really with the excuse me thrown in, I didn't like the segment. 
which has pissed me off because I usually love Thunder Rosa. Yeah, now we moved into the final 9.45 to 10 o'clock, which featured John Silver and Alex Reynolds versus Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia. Went 10 minutes and two seconds. And to me, this felt like a John Silver feature spot, which I think he has deserved for a long time. I glad, I'm glad we finally got to see it. I mean, the winner was kind of kind of be obvious, but I thought it was a good main event. No, it was a great match. It was a, first of all, it was a fantastic match. I'm like you. I love John Silver. I love to see him actually featured. The problem is, is every once in a while, they show what Johnny Hungy can do. And then he literally just disappears again for a few weeks or a few months. And I just don't get the logic behind that. You have somebody here who could definitely be an upper mid Carter. And you, he at times catches lightning in a bottle. And he just never really gets the opportunity, in my opinion. So he, he, I was going to say he definitely needs more use. Like, So I was going to say something that might be fun. You know, there's been a little bit of heat between the Dark Order and uh, Cowboy Page because of, you know, him choosing other people and stuff like that. How fun would it be to see Johnny Hungy just get a shot on TV at the title and Adam Page for the belt? That would be great. I would love to see it. We'll see if Hangman holds on to it long enough to make that happen. Now, it seems like the new formula is find a current star who has a picture from the past with one of your established talents and set up the match around that fandom. Do you think this will continue or is it just something that we've seen that worked so well with MJF and Punk that they decided to try it with John Silver and Jericho? Now, in fairness to the angle with Jericho, I think this is not going to happen again. I think the reason why it's happening with Jericho is because they're doing this whole appreciation and uh, they showed how he, you know, he helped Daniel Garcia after the car accident. He helped get 2.0 into the actual organization after they were on his podcast. And now they're showing, hey, look, John Silver got the rub from me. Here's him as a kid in a photo with me. It just happens to be people with Jericho who, hey, you should appreciate me. And I'm hoping that that's where it's going to stop. Yeah, we'll see. But that was that was dynamite this week. And, you know, let's get into our top five of the week real quick, because we have definitely gone longer than usual. I hope everybody out there enjoyed it. Dave will definitely be back next week and he will kind of talk with you guys directly about what's been going on with him but i'm gonna give you my top five of the week real quick and when you brought up thunder rosa that made me realize i had left things off my list because number one was crockett cup 2022 i love the fact that the nwa is keeping this around i thought the event was great i am actually still kind of catching up on it right now but i caught all of night one which wasn't bad but you had the briscoes on the pre-show which i thought was weird but it does make you watch everything involved but i love the progression of the tournament i love davy boy smith in there with doug williams them versus he, he, briscoes he looked like Sorry to interrupt. He looked like an absolute monster in there. Yeah, he's had that time off, you know, that little time he was with the WWE. I hope he does more with the NWA. From what Dave told me this week, NWA Power was a good episode. There was just so much on this Crockett Cup card that was just amazing. I love the fact that they did it over two nights. I'm with you. I like the fact that they put the progressive the progression on the first night. 
Because if you had put that all in one night, you wouldn't have had time for all of the stuff that was built up for night two. So I love the fact that they actually did it on a two night in a progressive way. Yeah, so Jeff I, I love Jarrett, the show. you had that junior heavyweight championship. There was, oh. there was so much good to be said about this. I love to see Homicide in anything. Homicide is one of the most underrated and most underappreciated wrestlers of our generation because he's been primarily on the independence. I don't think he gets enough credit and great to see him actually getting what he deserves it's funny you bring that up because the junior heavyweight championship match is currently going on on my tablet (laughs) off camera my number two of the week was gcw at the roxy in los angeles Mm -hmm. i started watching this it's from last night it was great seeing the crowd packed in so quick and i only made it a couple matches in so far but i love the look of it now number three on our list was the interview with chad menace last week from standalone wrestling because this is going to be a big event coming to Pistol Pete's. I was surprised at the card when I saw it and we're getting to help kind of get the word around in Connecticut and anybody that's in the Connecticut area watching this, go out and support this $20 GA ticket, $30 front row ticket, front row is running down though and you also have vip upgrades check out the website check out the interview because you get to hear from this man's own mouth what he's done for wrestling you know how much he contributes and it was a great insight next up on my top five sting darby allen and the hardys going hard in their match we did discuss how this was kind of worrisome because of the age a lot of the competitors and how it was just spot after spot after spot but i mean it stood out for me And my last of my top five of the week is the Eddie Kingston shirt in this month's pro wrestling crate. If you're wondering what that shirt looked like, go check out our TikTok because AJ gives previews and recaps of SmackDown, Raw, NXT, Dynamite. He covers movies, documentaries. You know, we throw some extra stuff in there and I usually unbox every month's crate and this month's crate was, you know, very interesting Eddie Kingston shirt. AJ, what do you got for a top five for us this So a lot of our top five is going to be similar. I love the Crockett Cup. I'm an old NWA guy. So that's in there. Specifically, Homicide actually getting his due was in there for me. Although I did enjoy the main event also with Matt Cardona and Nick Aldis. Anytime I can see Nick Aldis, I'm happy. And same thing with Davey Boy Jr. He's just absolutely incredible. And the fact that he hasn't made a bigger mark to me just tells you how underappreciated some wrestlers can actually be. I know it's technically from last week, but I'm throwing Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker's match in there again because quite frankly it was that good of a match and I enjoyed it so much and it showed what women can do where they can what they can do where they can be at on the card and how much they actually mean to professional wrestling at this point yeah and that I think- was the first cage match in AEW women's history I thought the entrance kind of tipped off the Rosa win but I loved it just that authenticity to her culture coming out being able to win in her hometown and not lose it back the next week or not lose it back you know on rampage she was bound to be champion and it's the start of another good reign i think and similar to you i have chad in my top five the reason why i have him in my top five is a little bit different i feel like it's a great opportunity for norwich obviously to have the wrestling come and to have it come to southeastern connecticut but it's also 
what this guy has done. And in our interview with him, he talks about it and how I think people have a mixed understanding of what it is to promote and what it is to put a card together. And he goes into what it actually takes and how you don't do it to get rich and stuff of that nature. And I think it's something that you want to listen to to have a better understanding of what it takes to bring these shows to your area. For my number four, this is something that might not make other people's top fives, but for me, it was just absolutely incredible. It's actually from NXT 2.0, who doesn't make my list all the time anymore. Gunther chopping the hell out of is it, it, it Duke Hudson? Duke Hudson, there you go. He was like a poker player, right? Yeah, and he hasn't really done much in NXT with Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him. He chops the living hell out of him to a point where you can start to see blood coming out of the man's chest, and it's just such a hard-hitting match. You should check this match out if you haven't yet. And then I've got one more for you. My number one of this week, because I think that they're making a star out of this guy, Wardlow, believe it or not. What they're doing in the storyline with him, MJF saying, you don't work here. You're not going to be here. You go home, do this. The longer they keep him off TV, the more of a pop it's going to be when he comes back. Yeah, MJF paying him to stay home because in storyline, he's going to, you know, he's going to make money, but he's not going to become anybody because he's not going to be featured. And that sets up for the big return whenever it happens. And the key to this is you have to keep him in people's minds. You want MJF to come out each week, make the little snide comments. Hey, Wardlow, what's it like at home tonight? Watch my match tonight. Something as simple as that. And as long as you keep those little kernels in people's minds when he comes back it is gonna pop the crowd so big you're gonna have a gigantic gigantic baby face in Wardlow. 100%. Now, guys, let us know in the comments what your top five of the week is. Check out any of the bands or books we brought up at the top of the show. And more importantly, very much go to that Pistol Pete show because if we don't pack out Pistol Pete's, the chances of him coming back to this area very low. And especially look at the quality of that card. You got TJP, Matt Tremont, John Wayne Murdoch, one of the up-and-comers on IWTV. And this is going to be an IWTV WTV pay-per-view so that's the same place that beyond wrestling wrestling opener featured like you're going to be able to go to this event and then be able to watch the event over and over see yourself remember the memories from that night and this is huge for the area if you haven't seen John Wayne Murdoch yet this guy is the future of deathmatch wrestling he is absolutely insane anything can happen anything can happen at this show at Pistol Pete's hey me, Joe, and Dave are going to be there. Come by and say hi to us also. Let us know what you think of the show. Check us out. Maybe we'll have some merch there for you so you can check that out also. We'll see. But guys, talk to you again later. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com follow us on instagram working fans wrestling underscore pod and then as always please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocket cast radio public all your major platforms if you're following us on apple podcast which we are also on now and youtube please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating it helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you Thank you.